They thank you for the blood. The blood cries out. 2,000 years ago, Jesus shed his blood. It was for love. For God so loved the world. I thank you, Father, for tonight. And we glory in your name. For there is no other name under heaven that we must call on to be saved. The Bible says we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. Hallelujah. Just as we stand here today, all the mums, please, all the mums here, all the mums, all the girls um, that are pregnant, that you're still a mum, can you please, those who are around them, I want you to just, the family members, lay hands on them right now. I don't want anyone to be alone, so if you see someone standing on their own, come on. We're a family here. Husbands, hold your wife's hands. Some of you may be the first time in a while. Come on, don't be shy. Come on, it's very important. This is a very important moment. Come on, stay with me. We're going to pray as a body, as a body collectively. Father, I thank you for today. But I thank you, Father, that for all the mums, all the women in this house, that your head is lifted up and exalted because you are fearfully and you're wonderfully made. Hallelujah. That your role in the house, your role in the family is so important to us. Lord, I ask you for your hand of blessing upon them and that you anoint them. And Father, I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against them, we condemn. For they are the heritage of the Lord. Amen. And Lord, I pray for every mum here today, or, or, or women or young ladies that are going to be mums, that you have the spark of Elizabeth when Mary came and Elizabeth, John the Baptist, jumped in her womb. See, your role at the moment might be, oh, I'm just a housewife or I'm just a mum raising kids. But that is the, hear me out, this is the most important role because God wants godly offspring. And what your prayers will do, um, there's nothing like a mother's cry and nothing like a mother's prayer. It's like that widow that was promised a son and he died. And she put him on the bed and they said, where are you going? Sir? I'll be back. And she went and found the man of God and says, you gave me a son from the promise of God and now he's dead. I want him back. And the faith of that woman, the man of God came and rose him back from the dead. That's the cry of a mum. Or maybe you're like an Esther who went and saw the king when she wasn't supposed to just to protect her people. Or maybe you're like Sarah who for old age still had a faith in her heart that she would have a son. Or you're like Mary, the mother of Jesus, who didn't understand what she was told, but she went by faith anyway. And she carried something greater than herself. And she was obedient. And then she did what God asked her to do. And she gave her life. And then when she gave birth to the Messiah, she was able to give him away. You know, sometimes we want to hold on to our kids, but we need to be able to release them. God gave them to you so they can go through you. So God could have. See, God hasn't got grandchildren in heaven. He's only got children, amen. And Lord, I pray for every mum here. 
if they're struggling, if they're not struggling, if they're tired or weary, God will give you strength. Because your role is so important in the body. I thank you, Father, for every mum, every lady, and every young girl who one day will be a mum, that you would bless them upon blessings, that you would pour your spirit upon them. Because in the last days, we'll pour your spirit upon men and women. Hallelujah. And I thank you for today that you will protect them, their mind, their heart, and let their spirit rejoice in the things of the kingdom. You're not put to the side, you're risen up. Because in Christ, there's no male or female. We're one in Him, amen. So I thank you today. Any burdens, Father, you will lift them. Any sickness, you will heal them. Any attacks, that would leave. Any problems in marriages or any restorations, you'll bring it back because you're the God that restores. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that they understand the love of the Father. He'll pour out His love as a Father upon everyone. And I thank you for that, Father. I thank you for every lady, every mum, grandmum, mother-to-be. In the name of Jesus. And even, even, even women that are mentoring other women or mother figures or people that have stood in the gap for people who don't have a mum. I ask you to bless them. The Bible says he will not leave us as an orphan. He won't leave us fatherless and you can say motherless because the God is encompassing in all things. And I thank you, Jesus, for today. I thank you that your hand is upon them and if you anointed him. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that the wind of your revelation blow over you, that blow upon them, through them, And you raise them up. Because we need strong women in these last days. I pray this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Hallelujah. Bless you. All doing good. It's the same bloke every week. <laughs> At least we know David's happy 24-7, amen? You, you walk in here, can't shut you up, and when I start talking, all of a sudden you go brain dead. He's good? Blessed? Highly favoured? Awesome, awesome. I just want to quickly thank, thank you for the guys that volunteered, thank you for the guys that prayed, thank you for the guys that sowed on Friday night. Girls and guys, when I say guys, I mean everybody. It was, it was awesome. Um, it was hard. It was pulling teeth, but it was awesome. Amen. Um, I want a special thanks. I don't want to thank you, everybody that helped, stayed back. And I, but I just want a special thanks. Can I, can I get Antoine, Becky, AJ, and Chris to stand, please? I want everyone to give them a round of applause. Not just for Friday night, because it was tough Friday night. There were some issues that went wrong. Antoine jumped onto work. Chris was there early. AJ, Becky left work, come straight. You know, everyone helped. Don't get me wrong, but I just, special. We couldn't do what we do here if it wasn't for these guys. Let's be honest. And I want to thank you guys, because, you, you know, you're serving us, but you're serving the Lord first. Amen. The feedback was amazing from uh, Pastor Tony from Frangie and 
they just loved working with us and, and there was a lot of hiccups on the night and, and it's hard to deal with the Arabs. Eh? Um, but they, they, them personally are unbelievable, but just the whole thing. So I was just, it was amazing. People got saved, people got healed, people got delivered. It was awesome, amen? It was awesome. So I appreciate, thank you so much. Thank you for Will and, and Kirsty for the late notice and printing the shirts, you know. Everyone did a part. So I just want a special mention to those guys, amen? Um, you have the QR code? Yes. So we've, Antoine and the guys have worked out this QR code. What that is, is not to scan you so the mark of the beast, so we know where you are and then the Antichrist can come and get you, all right? Relax. Because this is just to get access to all the info, the sermons, the notes, everything to do with the ministry. Because I've been speaking to a few people I've bumped into um, and they were watching us online and for some reason they're not getting the alerts anymore. So, but this is a good way of sending this out so people can not lose track of what we're doing. If there's something, a sermon that's touched your heart and you feel like it's for someone, send it to them, you know. There's a many, many different areas that we want to be in contact with others outside here. A lot of people are watching online, a lot of people are following. Not, they may not watch live, but they watch two, three weeks later and things like that. I went on a job site one day and the guy's staring at me and looking at his phone, staring at me. I'm thinking, oh, sorry, I'm late. He goes, don't worry about that. But is that you? <laughs> I'm in my paint gear, walking up with a paintbrush. And he goes, is that you? Can't be the same guy. I go, yeah, man. I'm dressed white like Jesus. He goes, what's all the paint on you? <laughs> but you'd be surprised who watches, who's getting encouraged, who's getting, you know, getting their heart touched by the word of the Lord. Amen. You don't know who you reach. So it's a very important. So there's a QR code there. Any more information, see Antoine at the back there um, and all the guys. And if you guys, uh, Mr. Uh, the Evangelist is leaving to Melbourne and he's going back to Lebanon. Um, and it was amazing sitting with him to see what the things he does in Lebanon. You, people, you don't realize how bad Lebanon is at the moment with the poverty and the poor and the sick. It's pretty bad. I didn't realize they had a, they've got a massive drug problem in Lebanon. So this man reaches the lost in Lebanon. And he's doing amazing things. And, and so if you still want to give to his ministry, you can come and see us. You can go online. But he's here for another week in Melbourne, then he's off again. So it was amazing to catch up with this man of God. Amen. Um, other than that, you can be released. Oh, they're gone. All the kids gone. Please don't forget to get your kids done. Leave them up there after the service, all right? Yeah. They don't want to get in trouble. Can we stand for the man of God? I felt led last week. Dorian shared a, an amazing, brave message, and it was on my heart that he would share again. And I thought, you know, come back. You need to share this and keep going with your message. So please give him a round of applause. Thanks, Pastor Tony. Thank you. <clears throat> Thanks, Pastor Tony. How are we all? Awesome. Why don't we pray before we get started? Thank you, mighty God. That when Jesus came, he came in grace and truth. Not one or the other, but both. Grace and truth. And we thank you that when your Holy Spirit comes, it comes in grace and truth. And I pray that everything I speak tonight would be seasoned with grace and truth. Both together, held together, perfectly. And not one more than the other. Thank you, Father. 
thank you that lives will be changed tonight. Mindsets will be changed. And that we'd have a clearer vision, clearer understanding of your will for our lives, for our bodies, for who you created us to be. And we thank you, ultimately, that you've called us to life and life more abundantly. And that Jesus came so that our joy might be full. So we thank you, we love you, we worship you, and we give you tonight, and we thank you in advance. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Your seats? Yeah. How are we doing? That's a bit louder. Great. Uh, so who was here last week? Show of hands. All right, a lot of people. Uh, there's a bit I didn't get to last week, so I'm going to recap and then continue the message. And maybe some of you who were here last week, maybe you were a bit shocked. I don't, I don't know. Um, I didn't take a survey afterwards, but I spoke about <coughs> our bodies what God created us for, why he created us male and female, and the meaning behind our creation as male and female. And I also spoke about that word that for some reason or, the, or another we don't like to go near, and it's the word sexuality. And I'm not talking about your sexual orientation or anything like that. I'm talking about God creating us as male and female. And whether we like it or not, we are sexual beings. And God created us that way. And the Bible opens with a naked man singing to a, na uh, to a naked woman. So what's it all mean? And we said how, you know, the church, not all churches, but the church in general has either shied, shied away uh, from this topic. And there are different reasons for that. Um... But it's important that we speak. Jesus spoke about it. The Bible speaks about it. Uh, there's a lot the Bible has to say about it. And we shouldn't be shy to go there. And there's a really important reason why. And that is if we don't speak about it, someone else is speaking about it. And someone else is speaking about it very loudly, if you haven't noticed. And so... For children, for young people, for adults, for everyone, it's not as though if we're not speaking about it, well, no one's speaking about it. No, it's being spoken about very loudly elsewhere. And so it's important we have the truth about how God created us and what he created us to be. And yes, we've spoken a lot about the rules and the doctrines, and so we should. And we all know that thou shalt not... But unfortunately, we've been weak on the why. Why the doctrine? Why the rule? Why is God saying we shouldn't do A, B and C? Why is it important to wait till marriage? God bless my parents. They gave it a shot. Wasn't a very good shot. 
I'm sure there are parents sitting here tonight who have given it a shot. I can see you blushing right now. But we need to understand this stuff so that we can invest it in ourselves and in the next generation because that's what it is about. It it is about generations. It is about the future. I said this last week, the word gender, generate, generations, genealogy, genitals. It's all about the next generation. And if we take that out, there's no future. And that's why God's first command to Adam and Eve, when he created them, male and female in his image, was go forth and multiply. That's what God is about. He's about life. And life more abundantly. So people think... And the culture today will say, oh man, Christianity, it's just got so many rules. And I just want to be free. I just want to be free to express myself and be who I am. And so the prevailing thought is, man, rules and commands and laws, they are just a killjoy and they just keep you from freedom. People think that they are free when they are free from God's commands. But I would argue, and our faith would argue, that you are only free when you are actually living within God's commands and within God's design, within his created design. So I'll give you an example. Think of a fish. Because a fish absorbs oxygen from water and not from air, it's only free when it's restricted to the water. If a fish is freed from the water and jumps up onto the grass to free itself, to explore, to... Who knows what? Its freedom to move and soon even live is destroyed. So the fish isn't more free because it's out of the water. It's less free when it can't honour the reality of what it was designed to be. And that's the same of so many other things. Think of an aeroplane. Think of a bird. They violate the laws of aerodynamics and... But we've been created with a very particular design, a very particular destiny, a very particular meaning. And just like a bird, if it lives within the laws it was created for, it will soar and it will ascend. And it's the same for us. If we live within our created design, we will also soar and we will have life and life to the full. Amen? So, the other thing people think is, okay, 
God is, God just wants the problem. Microphone. <clears throat> but, and if you think back to the garden when Adam and Eve were there, and God says, stay away from that one, stay away from that tree. One, enemy comes and he says, surely not. God just wants you to remain blind. Go for that tree. Thank you, bro. <clears throat> so the serp serpent comes along, and then the Bible says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes, she ate of it. The enemy comes, and he says, Ah, oh, God's restrictions. He's just, he's just trying to stop you being like him. He just wants to keep you blind. So the enemy will come and play that card to instill the thought that God is just trying to deprive you. When in reality, God is not trying to deprive us of anything. He's actually trying to give us something so much greater, something so much more sacred, something so much more rich, something so much more true, so much more fruitful. He's trying to give us that abundance so that our joy might be full. Amen? <clears throat> and I touched on this last week. This message <coughs> that I shared last week and I'm sharing on this week <coughs> set me free. And I was broken, identity, sexuality, whatever it was, broken. And it wasn't until I heard this truth that God restored my heart. And like I said last week, it wasn't a zap, it wasn't an instantaneous miracle, it was his truth. That as I ate his truth, I began to become free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I guarantee you, if you hunger and thirst for God's righteousness and truth in this area, you will be filled. A lot of people think, too hard basket, or I've tried, or, you know, God's not interested in this area. I guarantee you he is. And if you pray... If you believe, he will come and he will answer you. He will restore what the enemy has stolen. The enemy can only come. He can only kill, steal and destroy what God has created. He can't create anything himself. But Christ came. He defeated the works of the enemy. And we do have freedom in Christ's blood. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> So last week I spoke about the body having a, its own language. Well, I didn't use those words last week, but it's ha having its own language. I was at a wedding. I've been to a few weddings lately. And um, 
was at one a few weeks ago and the bride was coming down the aisle and she had this amazing, you know, long white veil. And I actually shed a tear in the church because I was just uh, appreciating and thinking about the strong symbolism of what's going on just with the bride coming down the aisle before the thing even starts. And we can so easily miss that because we're so used to going to weddings and seeing brides and they're in their white dress and veil and stuff. But I was sitting there and she's coming down with her dad and they're in arms and she's veiled and she gets to the front of the church. And a lot of this is uh, just Jewish, comes from Jewish tradition. And then, you know, the, the father, you know, takes her up to the altar and, and unveils her. And it's like... This is the first time that his daughter is being unveiled and she's coming out from underneath his covering and he is actually giving her to another. And the priest or the minister will say, who gives this woman? And the father says, I do. And the father is actually giving her to the man. It's for this reason a man shall leave his mother and wife and the two shall become one flesh. And then the veil is lifted listed and the ceremony goes on and there's so much I could say but the, the priest says or the, the pastor says you, you know you may now kiss the bride you may now kiss the bride it's almost to say that she'd never been kissed before and in our culture that's such a bizarre thing to even think about or speak about but that's God's truth that that moment is so pure, so sacred, so rich in God's eyes. But we can sit there as an audience. You're like, oh, another wedding. Where's the reception at? Oh, la montage. Hope the food's good. And so in the ceremony itself, there's so much language. But in our bodies, there is a lot more language. And so the veil is a symbol. But like we said last week, our bodies are a symbol. Our bodies point towards our heavenly destiny. Rabs has been um, preaching about knowledge and self-control and I felt to just touch on this as well. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 to 7, I'm going to jump, jump down to verse 5 actually and it says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control. And then it goes on, self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, etc., etc. A lot of the time we're, we're out of control in this area because we don't have the knowledge. And we're lacking God's vision for our created purpose. Or it's been skewed or distorted by the world. And so it's so important. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7 says... In all you're getting, get understanding. Like we need to understand this stuff. 
Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. How many people are destroyed in this area because they don't know who God has created them to be, that they are made in the image and likeness of God, that their body speaks a heavenly language that actually points to their destiny in Christ. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 2 says, A fool has no delight in understanding but in expressing his own heart. There's two ways to go about this. You can just express what you feel. Or there's delight in understanding God's word in this area. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Same psalm, verse 9 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word doesn't say by trying really hard doesn't say by exercising willpower doesn't say by doing a 10-step course <laughs> I remember I, I did one of those courses and uh, it was about lust and purity and they put a rubber band around my wrist or everyone put one all the guys and they're like okay so when you have a lustful thought you just pull on, on the rubber band and, you know, you, you extend it and then you just let it go. And it's meant to be like a form of punishment or something to, to shock you, shock you out of it. Scripture, this scripture doesn't say that. It doesn't say, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by punishing themselves with a rubber band around their wrist? It says, by living according to your word. And that is so true. So to recap, just three things that Jesus spoke about in this area for those who weren't here last week, but it's helpful for all of us because a lot of people said, hey, I got some of it, but I didn't get all of it. So it's good to recap it. Remember we said <clears throat> that God created a beautiful image of man and woman in the garden, created in his image in his likeness and that it's an image of the trinity because the union of two becomes three and they're fruitful and they multiply and they're naked without shame in the garden what a statement that is that they are naked without shame in the garden and that is such a critical statement to understanding who god created us to be that there was such trust and love between them that they didn't fear the lustful eye of the other. But they could be free and shameless, not worrying about the other wanting to use them or, or objectify them. They realised they were both subjects under God, not objects under God. You know, when Adam was created, he was set in charge of naming all the animals. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Adam knew that he was different from all the other animals. He got to name all the other animals, but he was different in another respect, and that was because he had the breath of God in him. And he knew all the others, everything else may be an object, but that he wasn't. He was a subject. He wasn't just anybody, he was somebody. 
somebody God created. And so the enemy takes that beautiful picture, the very beginning, and all he can do is just distort it. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so many people are living from this distorted place, distorted desires, confusion, people sinning against them, lacking love, whatever it might be. And we said Jesus came. He didn't come to condemn this. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. He came to unravel this. And so when the Pharisees come to him and they say, is divorce okay? And he's, he's not just talking about divorce, he's talking about the brokenness in, in our human relations, in our sexuality. It encompasses everything. And Jesus says this amazing thing. He says, Moses permitted you to divorce because of the hardness of your heart. But haven't you read, haven't you read that in the beginning it wasn't so? Jesus saying, hey, uncrumple let's go back to the beginning let's go back to who i created you to be that's who you were created to be and it's so easy to normalize our brokenness and say well everyone's broken so everyone's broken this must be normal and jesus is saying no 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 in the beginning it was not so why is he pointing us to the beginning? Is it to shame us? No. It's to say he came so that he might restore us to who we were in the beginning, to that place of purity and shamelessness. I just mentioned before, when God created Adam, he breathed into him. Jesus dies, takes on our sin to the cross, rises from the dead. He sees his disciples peace be with you peace be to you and then just like he did with adam back in the beginning he says receive the holy spirit he breathes on him again why he could have just said receive the holy spirit why do you breathe on him again? He's pointing him back to the beginning. That's not, yeah, that's what it was like in the beginning and too bad it's kind of lost now and just do your best and let's just hope we can improve. No, it's like he wants us to live. He died so that we could be redeemed and restored and actually live who he created us to be in the beginning. Amen? So that's point one. He takes us back to the past. Point number two was he takes us into the present. And he says, and we all know this, he says, if you, if you look with lust, then you've committed adultery in your heart. And that's a, that's a full-on full on statement. 
But he's basically saying, That lust is an issue of the heart. But he came to give us a new heart. How good's that? That there's no issue of the heart that his blood can't restore or redeem. No matter what it is. By the power of the Holy Spirit, every single one of us can love like he loves. Again, He didn't come to give us a coping mechanism. He didn't come to give us willpower. He came to give us Holy Spirit power. You'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. You'll be a witness to his love. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. This isn't me just being... um, trying to hype you up this is true it's so true actually I I forgot to mention this I'll I'll mention it last week when I was on it was a couple of hours before I preached the message and um, I was just praying and I was thinking about how if we don't speak about this the world will speak about it and the world speaks about it all the time and speaks about it quite loudly And the Holy Spirit (coughs) whispered in my spirit, and this is something I've never thought to do in in my life. He said, um, I was was thinking about the song um, that I shared last week, you know, uh, me and you, baby, ain't nothing but mammals, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. And um, the Holy Spirit said, well, check the ARIA charts. And I was like, oh, all right, I'll, I'll take a look. And... It's funny because right up there, and I I didn't see number one, but number two was a song with pretty much the same title that I was preaching. And I thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. And I thought, okay, I'll I'll take a look at the lyrics. And I'm going to sing, I have no idea how this song sounds. I haven't listened to it. But it goes, la, 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 la. A hopeless romantic all of my life. Surrounded by couples all of the time. I guess I should take it as a sign. Stop there. Isn't it interesting? We're talking about how our bodies are a sign of who God created us to be. That when Paul says... Uh, the two becoming one flesh. Are you serious? Man and woman becoming one flesh actually points to Christ and the church. That that union points to Christ and the church. It's interesting. Here's the world saying, yeah, I guess I should take it as a sign. And it says, I'm feeling lonely. How often... Do our emotions and our feelings lead us down a path we shouldn't go down? Oh, I wish I'd find a lover that could hold me. Hold me. And lonely. Oh, I wish I'd find a lover that could hold me. Now I'm crying in my room. So skeptical of love. 
but still I want it more, more, more. I gave a second chance to Cupid, but now I'm left here feeling stupid. Oh, the way he makes me feel. That love isn't real. Cupid is so dumb. <laughs> anyway. But the album cover got me too. Is this a joke? And the thing that stood out to me, apart from and everything else, the inverted arrow. Because sin is missing the mark. And it's like if the enemy can just get you off your mark just one degree. If you're heading somewhere a long distance and you're off by just one degree and you travel thousands of miles, where are you going to end up? You're going to end up very far from your intended destination. And that's what I'm talking about, the enemy distorting. And I was amazed by that because it was like the Holy Spirit wanted me to see this as confirmation that the enemy is out there speaking. Speaking lies, speaking distortions. Is this so I can sing it again? All right. We on? Great. <clears throat> so we spoke about um, this, yeah. How we spoke about last week how we all have a thirst. We spoke about the woman at, a well, at the well who had such a scandalous, promiscuous past and Jesus says, you've had five husbands, the man you're with now isn't your husband. And she says, you must be a prophet. And Jesus uses her physical thirst at the well to point to her spiritual thirst. And the critical thing was that nine times out of ten, or a lot of the time, us humans take our thirst for God and aim it at sex. And we aim it there because it is the, the actual number one sign that leads us to heaven. Paul says, this, the coming together of man and woman, is a great mystery. And it points to Christ and the church. That is insane. The coming together of man and woman points to Christ and the church. So when we're hungering and thirsting for things of that nature, what we're actually hungering for is for God himself. That yearning inside each of us, that yearning that that song is playing on, it's playing on the yearning in you and me for God himself. So, 
the sexual act or sexuality or whatever it is, is the ultimate sign of our heavenly destiny. It's where we're destined to be. And no wonder, if it actually points to that, no wonder it's the number one thing the enemy comes after. Because if it's meant to show you heaven, he doesn't want you to see heaven. If it's meant to be a glimpse of your heavenly destiny, he don't want you to see that. Come, let's distort it. Let's blind you to it. Let's break it. Let's kill it. Let's destroy it. Why? Because ultimately, he doesn't want you in your heavenly destiny. But thank Jesus for his blood. That was point number two, and kind of point number three, which I'll just touch on real quick to recap. Jesus says, point number three, he says, <clears throat> where are we? In the resurrection, we are no longer given in marriage. So people are asking, well, you know, when, we, when the body's resurrected, are we going to have our own wives that we married on earth? Or are we going to have someone new? What's it going to be like? And Jesus says, no, in the resurrection, no one will be married. And the point is, no one will be married because it's on earth. It's just a sign of heaven. So once you're in heaven, there's no need for it. And we said, when we get to heaven, God doesn't push the delete button on marriage he pushes the complete button that it served its purpose it's directed us to heaven and we're now in heaven we don't need marriage as a sign anymore and we said um if i want to head to sydney and there's a sign saying sydney that way uh, once i'm in sydney i don't need the sign anymore and so marriage and sex is just a sign to heaven so once i'm there i don't need the sign anymore but the problem is, so often we're hanging on to the sign, trying to fill our yearning with the sign rather than what it's pointing to. And it's like there's a sign saying Sydney that way, and I'm holding on to the sign saying, Ah, oh, Sydney! And it's like, No, 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 that's just the sign. You weren't destined to hug the sign, to hunger for the sign. You would, the sign is pointing to something. <clears throat> All right. So, one thing that Heaven is meant to be the ultimate destination. And if we lose sight of that, we can fixate so much on a relationship here on earth when it's actually pointing us to heaven. And, and so often we look at a relationship, on our, an earthly relationship, as though it's our ultimate destination when it's not. It's just a sign pointing us to heaven. And that's where a lot of us get stuck. Thinking 
that an earthly relationship is actually the pinnacle of our existence when it's not, it's just a sign. And when I was thinking about that during the week, it was, uh, the Holy Spirit showed me something and it was like, um, that's a reason why the enemy, and don't get weird and religious on this point, right, because it's not serious doctrine, it's just something that came to me. <laughs> but it was like, the enemy is happy that we, if you get baptised as an infant, because then in your future, the only other pinnacle is marriage. When the pinnacle of our life is, should actually be meeting Christ. And that marriage is a way to express our love for Christ and for, for God to fulfil His purpose in our lives. But marriage and relationships are not the pinnacle of our existence. Amen? Christ is. The Bible starts with the marriage and ends with the marriage of Christ and the church. And it's like that first marriage of Adam and Eve points to the last marriage of Christ and the church. That is our destiny. Hebrew words for male and female. In Hebrew, it's for male, it's ish. And for female, it's Isha. But there's another word, there's another meaning for male. And some Arabs in the audience here, what's the male, Arabic male word, uh, word for male? Hmm? Dakar. Dakar. Is that a D or a Z? D. D. Dal. Dakar. That's right. But actually, actually, it's... Uh, it's meant to be zakar. Zakar. And that means, in Hebrew and very similar in Arabic, to remember. The meaning of male in Hebrew was to remember. And the meaning of female was to be open. It actually means to be pierced or to be open. And so, in those meanings, it's like God is saying the very essence of what it means to be masculine is to remember the love of God. And the very essence of what it means to be a woman is to be open to the love of God. And when a man forgets the love of God, well, where does that lead? And if he forgets, then the woman tends to close. And that's where distortions enter. And that's where dysfunction enters. But isn't it amazing that in, our, in the very meaning of the words, not just in our bodies, God stamps his truth. What is the sign of the covenant given to Abraham? Amen. Circumcision. I'm not going to read the whole scripture. Um, Genesis chapter 17, verse 9. Uh, let's go to verse 12. 
From generation to generation, every male child shall be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born. Verse 13, is it behind me? All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Wow. I mean, we're all familiar with the concept of circumcision. It's, it's not wow like wow circumcision's wow. But it's in the Bible it's saying our, your body will bear the mark of his everlasting covenant. And that's why I said last week the body isn't something bad. God created the body and said it's good and there's a lot of meaning in our very physical body. And so God comes to Abraham and he says, I want to establish a covenant with you. And what was the promise of the covenant? It was descendants more numerous than the stars. So wherever, you'll see this, wherever God uh, enters a covenant, there's always, it's always for fruitfulness. It's always for descendants. It's not a covenant just for the sake of a covenant. It's always for life. And he says, I want to stamp this in your flesh. And I can only imagine Abraham in that conversation. And maybe he's like, sure. What are we going to do? You want to give me a tattoo? Maybe a piercing? How do you want to do this, Lord? And, uh, and God was like, nope. You know, see that, see that rock over there? I want you to go get that rock. And you can only imagine <laughs> Abraham, I mean, Abraham seriously went through quite a few tests. Thank God for his faith. <coughs> <coughs> and why? It's like every time that a Jewish person would consummate a marriage in the future, they would be reminded of God's covenant. You think, I thought, you know, if he, if he wants it to be a sign of his covenant, maybe make it something a bit more obvious, maybe something on their face, so people can see it all the time. But no, it was down there in the male member so that he would remember God's love. Specifically when he's in that moment. So that when he's in that moment, he remembers not only the covenant, he remembers God's love. He remembers what its purpose is, descendants more numerous than the stars. <clears throat> And why? Because the love of God, what, what, is, what does circumcision represent? Circumcision represents the sacrifice, sacrifice of flesh and the shedding of blood. And whenever a covenant was made, there was always a sacrifice of flesh and the shedding of blood.
God's saying you need to be reminded ever since Adam fell we need to be reminded that we are to participate in his covenant and whenever you participate in God's covenant it's going to require a sacrifice of flesh and blood so New Testament what's the sign of the new new covenant this is my body broken for you this cup is the new and everlasting covenant in my blood which is shed for you a sacrifice of flesh and blood and so that original covenant that original circumcision was actually pointing to Christ and we don't, we don't think about it this way because if, if we've grown up in traditional churches and we've seen crucifixes, Jesus is always covered with a loincloth on the cross. But he was actually crucified naked. And right there on the cross, on, right there on the, on the cross, everyone would have seen that he was circumcised. And it was the meeting of the two covenants, the end of the old and the beginning of the new right there in his body. And so, because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we no longer need circumcision because that original circumcision was pointing to him, just like marriage and sexuality is pointing to heaven. And so, in, in the new covenant, it's circumcision of the heart. And that's why Jesus says, if you commit if you look with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. He doesn't say you commit it with your body. We are now circumcised in the heart. He says, do this in remembrance of me. That first sign, Zakar, remember God. He now gives us this new way to remember him. Remember what he did at the cross. <clears throat> I'm going to wrap this up time. <clears throat> so I can uh, you know we can get a bit graphic here but let's just go there because it's really powerful so the, the coming together of, of man and woman we said it, it points to Christ and the church I don't know, maybe, maybe you have heard this before, maybe you've looked at, looked at it this way, but the actual act, when you think about it, it's when the, when the man and woman come together and the man enters and he, it's, it's like the temple. He enters through the outer court into the inner court and the woman has what's called a hymen, which is a tissue or a, or a piece of flesh which is there for no other reason other than to be pierced on that first time representing a covenant between man and woman and the, that represents the veil and you pierce the veil and you enter into the holy of holy and there's a sacrifice of blood because that is what is in the man's seed and in the woman's egg and that gives birth to life. 
And so that's why this is so important. Because if you explain it to your daughter that way, and you can explain to her that, hey, there is no other reason for that part of your body. And let me tell you how sacred and beautiful and what God has created and who he's created you to be and what your heavenly destiny is. Then we'll see it with new eyes, new value, and we can actually live it as God created us to live it. <clears throat> I'm going to wrap it up there. I had, I had more, but I just feel to end it there. But I do want to just end again. I mentioned this last week, but I do want to touch on it again this week. That you can speak about a subject like this and a person can feel really condemned or ashamed. Because, hey, I don't want to speak this over anyone here, but many of us have had a past. But thank God for Jesus' blood because it covers us all. And that repentance is just a moment that you can sit there and say, hey, I never saw it this way. God, forgive me. Now I see it a new way. And all of a sudden, because you're thinking different, you're not the same person who was doing those things in the past. You're a new creation. And so we said how Jesus was always amazing how compassionate and how sensitive he was with women caught in sexual immorality or even adultery. And he would hammer the Pharisees. You brood of vipers, you whitewashed tombs. But whenever he encountered a woman caught in sexual adultery or immorality, he was always so tender because he knew that ultimately her thirst was misdirected and that she was ultimately looking for him but had directed it at s someone else or something else. And that's why he could be so compassionate. And so that compassion, his grace is for all of us. And that's why I started <coughs> off praying tonight for grace and truth. That Christ comes in both. Yeah, we've heard truth tonight, but it's not truth to condemn you. It's truth to free you. And Christ comes with tremendous grace as well. But it's not to keep you the same. It's to change you. Because grace without transformation is perversion. So I feel just to release us from the past. That Christ's blood covers all. And there might be someone sitting here tonight thinking, yeah, but you don't know. You don't know what I've done or you don't know what I've been through. On that cross, Christ was crucified naked. He took your shame. Every sin you've committed, every sin committed against you, every form of brokenness was nailed to that cross. And he bore your shame once and for all. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>
Let's pray. And um, if anyone would like to come forward for prayer, we'll pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that your word is alive and it's active and it comes to cut. Lord, I thank you that when you spoke harsh or difficult words or taught difficult things, a lot of people turned away from you. But I pray that our response to your teaching would be like that of the disciples who say, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. So we thank you for your words, Lord, that they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And I thank you that people here tonight are released from the past, from the stain, from the memory, from the guilt and the shame of sin. I thank you you've opened their eyes to see who you created them to be and no less. But better than that, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that it comes, fills everyone, empowers them to live it out. Never the same again. Mindsets renewed. Hearts set free. Needs being orient, reoriented. A recognition that you are who we're looking for and no other. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. The gift of our bodies. You restore, you redeem each one. Amen. Amen. Well, can I encourage you? In the presence of the Lord, you know, someone said to me last week, isn't Dorian's message a bit too deep or detailed for, especially when there's teenagers and young people? But I want to remind you, the guys that think that, is go watch what your kids are watching on TikTok. Go have a, just turn the TV on for five minutes. Just turn the radio on for five minutes. If we don't confront this as a body of Christ, we have nothing to complain about. And it's amazing what Dorian said, that no one here has got it worked out. We've all made mistakes. We've all mucked it up. But God wants to bring our memory back to the garden where it was perfect. And if you've had a past, let it be your past. The Bible says, old things have passed away. And behold, all things become new. So I encourage you, with teenagers, boys and girls, go back and listen to last week and sit with them and 
walk through it. It's very important. I, my pastor many years ago said to me, Tony, if you don't start telling your kids about this stuff, somebody else will. And we know that what somebody else says is wrong. So don't be afraid. Let the Holy Spirit walk you through this. He's gone before us. I want to encourage those who have been broken, whether you've had marriage that broke up, whether you had relationships that broke up, whether you've done things you're not proud of, whether things have happened to you, you don't have to live there. Jesus went to the cross for that. And he shed his blood for that. He became a curse so we could become blessed. If we understand the cross and the finished work of the cross. So I want to encourage you, the floor's open. Dorian will pray for anyone that's struggling, even in your sexuality. No shame. Dorian shared about his struggles and how he overcame. And You know, we don't, we don't just survive on this earth. Jesus didn't come for us just to survive. He says, I'm a conqueror, and you're more than a conqueror. Amen. We have a big God and a small devil. How do we see our God compared to our problems? It was a very brave message. Can you give him, you know, well done, Dorian. Praise God. It's very dear to my heart what he said because of... I've ministered to a lot of people in my life in the last 20 years, the brokenness of young girls and young guys. I've seen the torment. I've seen the shame they carry. You see all this is nice and pretty and we make you laugh and we make you cry, but when you get into someone's heart, I've seen the brokenness. But I've also seen the joy of the Lord come and set someone free. See, if Jesus hasn't set you free, come and get free. He's the spirit of freedom. The Bible says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. And I'll finish off with this. You know, Dorian said about how God made it perfect. You know, there's $50 in my pocket. And it's only just a piece of paper. But it's, there's a value attached to this $50. It's nice, it's crisp, it's clean. But no matter what I do to it, scrunch it up, leave it in my pants, my wife washes them. Then I go to work and I drop it in paint. And I haven't got a tissue, so I use it as a tissue. <laughs> and then I see it and it's all crumbled up. See, the devil thought he could crumble up what God's done in your life. And he says, you know what, you're of no value. But do you know how dirty, how crumbled, how ripped this, it's still worth $50. See, he might have distorted your relationship with him or he might have distorted your life, but you're still so valuable to Jesus because he put the value on you. The world doesn't put the value on you. Your broken relationship doesn't put the value on you. What you did wrong doesn't put the value on you. The mistakes you've made doesn't put the value on you. Doesn't what society says put the, Even your mom and dad doesn't put value. Only Christ puts the value on you. Because he's the currency of our love. Amen. And no matter what, he'll straighten it out. And you know what I found? You don't go back to what you lost. You don't go back to who you were. You're better than where you were. 
because now you live and breathe and move in Him, the lover of your soul. Only Jesus will love you through everything. Your friends will ditch you. Your family will ditch you. But Jesus will never ditch you. So come to seek and save the lost. So if you want prayer, don't leave this moment. You're not coming to man. We have nothing. But the Spirit of God has everything. You know what the Bible says? He who denies me publicly, I'll deny him. But he who confesses me publicly, I'll confess him in front of the Father. In other words, step out of your rut and come and get the healing you deserve because enough is enough. Jesus loves you. Amen. Amen.